Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed being a holy God. We thank you that we serve a holy God that loves us so much that you gave your son to die on the cross for us. And so we just come to you today in need, whatever we may have need of, and we know that you're the answer to it. Um, So we submit ourselves to your Holy Spirit. We make way for your Holy Spirit to come in this place uh, even the more because he's already here. Uh, but to just touch our hearts, touch our minds right now. So prepare us to hear your word, uh, but prepare us to receive more of you, Lord Jesus, in this season. Uh, More of you when it comes to healing, when it comes to your word, when it comes to righteousness, when it comes to purity, when it comes to love, when it comes to grace. We want more of you. When it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to just letting go the cares of this world and taking your yoke that is easy and your burden that is light and exchanging it for our heavy laden burdens, oh God. Lord, we just thank you, God. We thank you for your presence in this place and we thank you for life, health, and strength. Uh, We thank you for all your blessings. We thank you for the trials and tribulations that we go through, Lord God, because we are yet in your hand and you know what we need when we need it. And so, Lord, we just thank you, God. We honor you, God. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And we recognize it and we appreciate you, Lord Jesus. Hmm. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take your seat. Lord, we could just stay right here all day. <laughs> ah, it's so good. He's so good to us. Uh, worship just just about wrecked me. Um, Um, God is good. Uh, We're in Acts chapter 5. I'm going to let you know from the beginning, this is not a Christmas message. Um, (laughs) And um, it's been a, it was a difficult message to prepare for. um, That is talking about death, first of all, uh, if you've read ahead. Um, But we're going to jump in Acts chapter 5. We're going to go through verses 1 through, I think, 11. We'll end there. We won't get through the whole chapter. I've given that up. So um, <laughs> the goal of getting through every chapter on Sunday is not going to happen. Um, and you may see here that it starts with a but. And I don't know how they divided up the chapters, but that, uh, that correlative conjunction or correlating conjunction means that there's something that happened before. And this is a but as a comparison of the two. And so if you remember correctly, it talks about Barnabas towards the end of chapter 4, uh, how he sold some land and gave all the money and funds that he had. And um, they gave him a nickname, uh, Barnabas. His name was uh, Hoseas. Uh, and Barnabas was uh, translated to be the son of encouragement. 
who was a Levite. And some of you may be wondering, well, some of you, some of you Bible scholars may wonder, well, how is he a Levite and he owns land because Levites weren't supposed to own land, right? Some of you don't know that. <laughs> he was of the priestly class, and so as a Levite, he wasn't supposed to own land. Maybe it was, he was inherited, maybe it was given to him, so it didn't necessarily mean that he, owned, he, he had possession of it at that time. Uh, maybe that's why he was more willing to sell it and give all the proceeds uh, to the apostles so they can distribute it. And it talks about, and, and in that, and even in the beginning, and, and uh, it talks about the unity towards the end of chapter 4, and their trust in the apostles because they gave all they had to the apostles, and the apostles made the decisions to distribute it out because there was such purity of heart and oneness of mind when it came to the church at that time. So now we're going to, you're creeping up on some trouble. And if you know, if you live long enough, trouble will come your way. (laughs) Uh, And unfortunately, uh, the enemy tried uh, um, to attack the church from the outside up until this point. So there were outward troubles. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were uh, pursuing or wanting to persecute the church uh, before. And so I guess the enemy said, well, if I can't get them from the outside, Let's see what we can do from within. So now we are at chapter 5, and it starts with a but. (laughs) But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold uh, a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, Ananias. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own control? Was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last breath. So great fear come upon all those who heard these things. Of course it would, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm scared just reading it. <laughs> and the young man arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Because during that time they didn't believe in uh, uh, preserving the body and waiting for all the family to get together to have a memorial service. Uh, when you die, they buried you right away. And... Uh, and so the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him away and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And you would have thought that they would have told his wife that he had died, but they did not. <laughs> and Peter answered her, uh, and now it was three hours later, and not knowing what had happened. And then verse 8, and Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband, I guess she found out at that moment that he was buried at the door or at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last breath. And the young men came and found her dead, carrying her out and buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. Uh, it makes sense, right? <laughs> be great fear. The heart matters. 
the heart matters. Um, as I said before, you in relationships or in, in any organization, there are going to be ebbs and flows. There are going to be things that will be going well, and there may be growth, and things are wonderful, and then there will be trials and tribulations. Uh, ask anyone who's married, <laughs> ask anyone who's in a relationship, if there, if there are not trials and tribulations, there are things, seasons of good times, and there are seasons of persecution, there are seasons of things are growing, there are seasons where things seem stagnant. There are seasons, and unfortunately, we hit on the early church in chapter 5, this season of persecution from within. And they have experienced persecution from before, uh, but now, uh, from outward, like I said before, from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, this persecution was from within. And it started with the heart. And I remember we preached, um, I think earlier this year or last year, uh, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, and it was all about the heart. And Jesus did not want us to forget that the heart mattered then, and it matters now, even after he's resurrected and gone to sit beside the Father, uh, that early in the church, he wanted to make a point that the heart matters. And what you conceive in your heart matters. And so even in preparing for this, I, uh, so I'm going to give it to you like the Lord gave it to me, so it won't be a, 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 a I hope you could go away here, go away from here happy, <laughs> but that's not my job. <laughs> my job is to preach the word, whether you're happy about it or not. Um, but, so I was like, gosh, you know, this is a hard word. This seemed very harsh for what they had done, you know. It seems like a harsh penalty. I said, why is that, Lord? And he said, because I like sin. The Lord said, talking to me, because you like sin. I was like, oh, you want to start with me like that, okay? <laughs> because we like sin, we can make excuses for other people's sin. Because we like sin, this seems harsh punishment because of our own sin in our lives. And we can understand it and say, man, that seems so harsh. Um, they only just held back a portion of it and they gave, you know, isn't it great that we should just accept what they gave? But no, it is the heart that matters. And so I pray that your heart is open <laughs> today. Uh, a certain man and Ananias and Sapphira, um, they, saw that, that, they saw that great generosity of Barnabas. And in their heart creeped out some pride some uh, envy, some covetousness, because they wanted the glory that Barnabas had. And the difference is Barnabas came with a pure heart. Barnabas gave all that he had. He didn't, it wasn't in his heart to do evil or to keep anything back. If he wanted to, he could, because that's what Peter said. He said, Ananias, it was yours to keep. You didn't even have to sell the land. Because remember when we talked about this last time, um, they they gave out of love for one another. It was not told that they had to give. It was not a hey, you must give such and such amount to support the ministry and to do whatever. No, they gave out of a heart and willingness to love out of love for one another. And because of the pride that they had, that they saw, and they wanted that glory. They wanted whatever that was in their heart. And some people say it was the uh, a sin of hypocrisy. We'll get into that a little bit more. Um, something in Ananias and Sapphira's heart said, we want what Barnabas has, because it's a but here, and it starts with a but, so it's correlating 
with chapter 4 with Barnabas, and now we're looking at the difference. So it's saying, hey, this is the good way of doing it, what Barnabas did, and this is the way not to do it because of what was in their heart. And they conceived this plan. Kept back um, means to misappropriate. It means to, um, it's seen only another, only two times in the Bible, in this one and in 2 Timothy chapter 10. It says, not proliferating, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. So that proliferating means to steal or to keep back. And so even the words they used, it means they were stealing from God. And why, what did, why did they not think God would not know? <laughs> uh, the all-knowing God that they were stealing from him. Uh, the story of Ananias and Sapphira uh, in the book of Acts is also akin to the story of Ashin, I think, Ashaken, which is in the book of Joshua. And so this is when he kept back, they went and uh, had a battle with, uh, I can't remember the nation that they fought with, and it was to, they were supposed to destroy all the goods that were there. But he decided to keep some, and he buried it under his tent. And I don't know if you know that story. <laughs> they stoned him, his wife, his kids, and all his goods, and there was a pile of stones. And so at that time, God told them to give the judgment, and in this season, God gave the judgment. Peter did not, I don't think Peter knew what that judgment would be. He was just speaking and calling out the sin that was in their lives. God was the one that was judging uh, the early church. And it reminded, and so because it was the early church, and so in asking the Lord why so harsh a punishment, sometimes when, when it's a new organization or when it's a, a young child, you have to be more protective of it, right? Uh, because it's more susceptible. You know, if you hurt something when it's real young, then it carries that hurt for a longer time, for a long time. It may be harder to get over. It may have a greater impact than it would if it was older. And so this was the early church. Remember, and there are only, uh, some people say maybe 20,000 because at this time they said 5,000 men. You talk, count the women and children, so we may be up to 20,000 in this new church that we have. Uh, and so in this new church, purity was important. And hypocrisy could not be in the roots of the church at that time. He had to make sure, God had to make sure that his church was protected in this infancy stage. And so the penalty for death was death because hypocrisy is such a poison when it comes to the church. Because Ananias and Sapphira wanted to look good in front of people, but they knew they weren't living what they were putting out in front of people. So that was the hypocrisy that they lived. They said, hey, we want to look like we're giving it all, but we're not really going to give it all. And so many times we want to look like we are have it all together on Sunday mornings. We put on our best clothes and we look really nice. Um, but when we, we know our hearts are not clean, uh, we want to say the right things and do the right things in front of people. Uh, but we know that's not where we are or our hearts are. Uh, some Calvin wrote that this, the evil that they did was contempt of God, sacrilegious defrauding, perverse vanity and ambition, lack of faith, and hypocrisy. You got all of that and just keeping back a portion of 
the land, the money that they uh, sold for the land that they had. Was it worth it, you would say, Ananias and Sapphira? Of course not. <laughs> of course not. The lack of faith would have been, hey, maybe they really needed the money. And they just should have said, well, we're going to keep back a portion because we need this. But this is what we're going to give. And it would have been fine if they did that. Peter even explained that. Hey, it would have been fine if you would have kept back. Isn't, is it not your land to do? But because of the hypocrisy of it, the hypocrisy um, even just this week in talking with some coworkers, hypocrisy always comes up. Especially when people find out that I'm a pastor or and go to church and I preach. And uh, they say, oh, hypocrites are always in the conversation. Because people, the world, the, most, the biggest indictment against the church is the hypocrites. The biggest indictment. You could probably do a whole bunch of other stuff, but the hypocrites in the church. They live and act like they're holy and righteous, but their life outside is horrible. They're just like me. and They're out there acting and pretending to be something they're not. And so that could not have been said of the early church. So the punishment and penalty that they suffered was great. It was their death. But their hearts were filled. Why? Are your hearts feel? Why does your heart scheme and feel to do this thing that you didn't have to do? To conceive this thing in your heart. Satan has filled your hearts, Ananias. Satan can influence the life of the believer, even spirit-filled believers, but he can't do your sinning for you. Ananias had to conceive it in his heart. And so we look at this. We look at what he conceived in his heart and, and uh, what, what Jesus said about the hypocrite. And it's even, in, and so in looking at this as well, you think about how God even, um, he doesn't like the lukewarm, and the hypocrite is lukewarm. That's what he, if you're either hot or cold, if you lukewarm, you know, either you're for me or against me, not just don't be in the middle. Don't be before me on Sunday and against me Monday through Saturday, because I'm going to spit you out. <laughs> and so Matthew 23, 23 through 30, this is what he says about, the hypocrite. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you have ought to have done without leaving the others undone, blind guys who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. <laughs> so you're so focused on the small thing, but you accept some of this bigger stuff that's coming into your life. So true. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup in the dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the club, cup and dish so that the outside of them may be clean also. And so who wants a clean cup on the outside but looks dirty on the inside, right? You can't get no clearer picture than that. This just makes so much sense. <laughs> Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you were whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, 
Are we getting the picture? <laughs> because you build your tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we have lived in the days of our fathers, we would have done, we would not have partaken of um, in the blood of the prophets. And so then even goes on further, and I think 32, 33, talks about, call them a brood of vipers, right? Oh, lowly Jesus, meek and mild. <laughs> we celebrate this wonderful child. <laughs> Matthew 6 talks about don't give, don't pray, and don't fast like the hypocrites. Because they do that in public because they want to be seen and they want to get the glory from men. And they want to get the accolades now in this earth. And so that's what he says about the hypocrite. And there are several examples, and I didn't want, I knew I, 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 I don't have a certain amount of time. Um, <laughs> so I didn't want to be here for Several hours going through all the examples. <laughs> but there's several examples. So when Jesus talks about the hypocrite, or he's so harsh against the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders. But then this is just one example of his interaction with the sinners, or this sinner, this, sin, this woman who's a sinner. So this is John 4, 7 through 26. This is a Samaritan woman. It says, when the Samaritan woman came to draw water, this is the woman at the well, she said to, he, Jesus said to her, will you give me drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst in the eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't uh, get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. I think she was being sarcastic. <laughs> he told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you said you have no husband. The fact is you have five. You have had five husbands and the man you now have, you now is with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but, the, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is for the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has not yet come when true, worship, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind the worshipers the Father seek. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. 
So let's compare that conversation he had with the sinning woman and any conversations he's interacted with with sinners and then what he says about the hypocrite and what he has said about the hypocrite. He was so nice. (laughs) He talked to her. He was personable. I think she was uh, a little flirty with him in the beginning. Uh, And then when she perceived that he was a prophet, you know, she asked him, where can I find God? Where can I worship? Some the Jews say you worship in Jerusalem. Some say you can worship in this mountain. I'm searching for a place to be satisfied and be filled because I have five husbands, and I've been searching for a long time, and none of them satisfied me. And even the one that I'm with, I'm not married to. Give me some hope when I found out that you are this prophet. The sincerity and purity in her conversation in her heart is what moved Jesus. And sometimes the sincerity of the sinner who says, this is just me, and this is where I am, and you get what you get, that I think Jesus appreciated. He engaged the sinner. And it's just not this one, but there are many stories in the Bible where he's having conversations with the sinners. And that's why the Sadducees and the Pharisees did not like Jesus. They said, hey, you're hanging out with this tax collector. You're hanging out with this woman. If you, do you know who she is? You know, now, if this woman had come to our church or to any church, we might look at her side-eyed and say, uh, we don't know if we want her here. And she's had five husbands, and she's living with someone. And here Jesus has given us the example of how you should treat the sinner. And he gave you the example of how you should treat the hypocrite. And it seems a little bit harsh when it comes to Ananias and Sapphira, but they were hypocrites, and that's why he treated them as such. And that's why they could not grow up in the church. Uh, The enemy wants the tares to grow in with the wheat, so we can't tell the difference. So it confuses the world, and they say, oh, they're all the same. They're just like us. So we don't have to go to that place or do what they're doing because... They're just like us. It is the indictment of the church. And hypocrisy, unfortunately, we do that. We take this upon ourselves. We get ourselves in situations. I hear about leaders all the time who have fallen prey to hypocrisy. They're living a life in front of the church. But then when you close the doors, they live in a totally different life. It'd be one thing it was just slightly different, but no, it's just totally different. (laughs) So it tarnishes the church's reputation. And so that's why they say, oh, that building is a place of hypocrites. Now, they still go to work, and that place is full of hypocrites, but (laughs) they still go there. (laughs) Or a lot of other things, too. But yes, conceived in our hearts. And so we must check our hearts. Where are we? What are we doing? What? And then, so then we go to Anna, uh, Sapphira. The same thing happens to her. It says, now it was about three hours later. That was a long church service, y'all. So, <laughs> so I got at least two more hours to go. <laughs> I couldn't stand here for two hours. No, two more hours, I'm pass out. <laughs> Somebody got to eat sometime, right? <laughs> testing your fasting skills in church. No. And her fate was the same as her husband's. And so it was challenging to me because it really, 
it challenged me to check my heart. So all this week was checking my heart. And I didn't like what was in it. <laughs> uh, and, all, and so it was challenging to look and see, hey, what's in this heart of mine um, that I need to move out that may be hypocritical that, or just sin outright or just not good, the bad attitude. I am, um, I am known in my family to drive a little fast, just a little bit. Um, so I can be listening to worship music, and it, the Lord reminded me even today, even this week going to work, be listening to worship music and praising God and just in worship and praise. If someone cuts me off, man, I am turning and going. I was like, Lord, I was like, oh, gosh, that's in my heart. I got to check that. Yeah. I made myself get behind somebody slow going to work one day. <laughs> slow it down, Virgil, slow it down. But checking was in our heart. Check what's in the heart. So let's be more authentic. Let's be more real with God. Who, why should we not be real with God? He is God, right? And he knows all. <laughs> and is this, a, it's, you know, we, you look back hindsight to 2020 and you say, well, the truth is Ananias and Sapphira should have done things differently, of course. But sometimes we don't do that thing, same thing. Um, one, one point I do want to uh, point out before we close is in verse, I think, 10, is the first place where, let me get to it, um, is called the church. Verse 11. This is the first word that says, so great fear came upon all the church. This is the first use of the term church in Acts. So it, before it was just a gathering of believers or whatever it was called before, uh, but now it's officially called the church, the ecclesia. The church. So first, pointed out, pointed that out. So what we, what can we glean? What can we learn from Ananias and Sapphira? One that God hates sin. Uh, Romans two eight says, "But for those who are self seeking and who reject the truth, follow evil, there will be wrath and anger." And sin is really selfishness. If you're self seeking, it's all about your flesh and what you want. So there's a sin. So God hates it, and God likes or God wants us to be more authentic, to be our real selves with him. Be your real self with him. So what, could, what should have happened, what could have happened, is Ananias and Sapphira should have, could have seen what Barnabas did and should have gone to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm struggling because I'm envious of what they did. I see what they did, and I want that glory and that accolades and that praise. And so, Lord, work, work on my heart to not, to not let that be there. Uh, because I don't, I don't want to go down the road of trying to do something that, that's not in me, but I want that. And so help me, Lord. And maybe the Lord would have said, well, you have some land. You should give it all. And he said, well, Lord, I got some financial issues, too. I can't give it all. What should I give? And then maybe he would say, well, just give a percentage or do whatever. But that would have been great, right? Yeah, looking back, and we, we can do that to our own lives. But that would have been great if I had done that <laughs> differently. Uh, but be real with God and real with other Christians as well. So it's not talking about what is going on outwardly. 
but really it's talking about what's going on inwardly, which means you're building relationships with other Christians. Share what's happening in you and not just what's around you. And unfortunately, we get caught up in our social media platforms that share what's going on around us a whole lot. And so we're so used to sharing what's going on around me. These are all good things. I'm, I'm putting this out. and We look like your, your life is wonderful. But even sometimes the good things can hurt your heart. But we rarely share, well, this is how I'm feeling about this. Yes, I, I need a job. Or yes, I don't have this. And yes, I don't have this. But I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling upset. I thought this was going to be the time. I thought this was going to be the time that it happened and it didn't. And so I'm upset. I need prayer. I need you guys to surround me because I'm a little upset about it. That's more about what's going on inwardly and not just broadcasting what's going on outwardly. Most people know the news, but how you feel about it is more important. And then to close, just develop a real relationship with God. I said that before. Colossians 3, 3 and 4, and this is so good. It says, for you died. You died. Your life is hidden in Christ, hidden in Christ within God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, also will appear Him with him in glory. So you died, and your life is now in Christ. If you died, I say if, then your life is now in Christ. And how much more should we seek him if my life is in Christ? I need him. He is my life. As my life is in him. My life is hidden in him. To find my life now, I must search him out and seek him out to get my life. Amen. Stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I told you guys weren't going to leave here all happy and shiny. And all I told you we weren't. Well, I'm okay with that, though. I got it off my chest, so I'm good to go. <laughs> uh, but my prayer is that we all, during this season, during every season, every day, check your heart. The heart matters. The intents of your heart matter. What, what you're doing is good, but why you're doing it. And only you and the Holy Spirit can search your heart. You can fool me. You can fool a whole lot of church people. Uh, but you can't fool God. And so many times we think we're fooling God. And we can't. So search your hearts. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.